So this evening we're continuing with our series in Colossians, uh, this time starting at chapter 1, verse 24. So collision, collision, sorry, Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, church. Good to see you're still awake. Lovely to have you here. Today, I want to talk about why we need Jesus in our lives, why we need to look up to him, why we need to stay strong in the storm, and why we need to know that love ultimately wins because Jesus is returning home. But first, let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You are Lord. Fill us afresh so that we can know the truth of who Jesus is and of the God who sent him. Lord, may these not just be words. May this night not just be an activity we do, but, Lord, a transformation of head, heart, and feet so that we can know you more truly and love you more dearly. Amen. As a church, we're continuing our series on Colossians uh, and we've called this series Thanksgiving uh, because Simon likes to make up new words, uh, but also because Paul's letter to the Colossian church is full of advice and it's full of instruction uh, on how to live lives full of grace and of gratitude. A few years back, I found myself in Leicester on a student mission at Alex University there. And over four days, we hosted an event with the Christian Union, uh, and all we had to do uh, was to share faith with those who were on campus. 
God was doing extraordinary things in changing the hearts and the minds. And all we had to do was to play our small part in being there when he sent them our way. And we did this, if you're wondering, by demonstrating the love and the grace that Jesus offers all of us. One evening, I met a chap called Nathan. Now, Nathan had come into the tent because we were doing two things, and you can probably guess what they were. We were offering food. You have to offer food to the students so they won't turn up. Um, But we were also offering a second thing, what students uh, need, what we all need, which is a place to belong, a place to be invited into, a place to come out from the cold and into the warmth. And as I welcomed Nathan, uh, he told me straight away, uh, very proudly, that he was an atheist. It was almost a back off, get away from me. I've, I've done my, my reading. I've examined the evidence. You know, I'm a learned person, he would have said to me. And what I've concluded, Craig, is something that you're not going li- to like. God is a lie. But as he was talking to me, I was praying for godly insights. I was praying for God to tell me something about this man who was in front of me. And I felt God say, ask him, how is he sleeping at night? And I thought, gosh, am I going to say that? He really thinks I'm weird. I'm telling him there's a God. He's telling me I'm a liar. So I do. I say, how do you sleep? And he told me from a very uh, surprised face that actually he struggles with sleep. I asked Nathan straight away, would he like to receive the gift of peace from the Prince of Peace? A second later, he signed up to Alpha because he wanted to know more about who Jesus is, who is the relational God. He had been going down the road of religion, of laws, and he hadn't realized that you could fall in love with God through Jesus because God had fallen in love with him first. You see, Nathan had chosen a system that sounded good, but actually, in practice, in his day-to-day life, it wasn't really working well for him. And all I did was to ask him what happened, what would happen, if he looked up, and if he looked up to Jesus. Ever since I've begun my journey uh, into foster care at the age of 15, I've always tried to look up. This is not to say that it, I've never looked back, far from it. I think we can learn a lot from our backgrounds. But I've also realized that by looking up, looking to the cross of Jesus Christ, I can receive a forgiveness that the world cannot offer me. Yes, there's been good decisions, there's been bad ones, there's been successes, there's been mistakes. They are all part of life, are they not? But it's in the wider picture that I've come to know that I shouldn't get sidetracked, that I shouldn't look this way or that way, but look that way and don't take Jesus for granted. For me, in looking up, I've realized that genuine relationships is the real wealth of life. Those fake ones, 
those pretend ones won't get us anywhere. And when we look up to Jesus, we can find that kind of relationship. In our text today, if you have it in front of you on your phones, do open it up uh, and we will work through it together. Paul is writing to a church who is facing similar issues like we do today. This letter was written uh, at one of the times when Paul was in prison again. He served jail time many times. Uh, And he probably never met this uh, church that he was writing to. But why? Why the letter? Paul was writing to encourage the church in uh, Colossae because he wanted to offer them some guidance. He wanted to offer them some support to the many cultural problems that they were facing. Paul's friend, uh, Epaphras, I'm probably saying that wrong. How would you say it, Simon? Epaphras. I knew. I've even got it written out in different ways to try and get it right. Epaphras. Let's do that. We'll edit that in later. But his friend, Paul's friend, comes to Paul because he knows he's in jail, but he knows he's got good things to say. So he comes because Epaphras is concerned. He's concerned about this church that he started. He's a church planter. Is going down the wrong path. They're being tempted by the cultural problems or the cultural issues of the day, and they're trying to work out which way to go. And ultimately, it's leading them away from Jesus. So Paul's main goal here is to write a letter that is to challenge the people of Colossae because he wants them to go towards greater devotion to Jesus. They are to resist, Paul would argue, that they are not to return to their old systems that told them that they had to win the approval of cosmic powers, of things like angels, of other powers, of spiritual powers, but they should go straight to Jesus because he really is the only one who can enhance their life. Jesus, friends, is the only one who is worthy of our worship because he is the only one who is God in the flesh. What cultural pressures are tempting you tonight to turn away from Jesus? Let's take a closer look at our text. In in, in verse 24, we read that Paul is suffering because he wants his readers to know that, that he has no choice in his struggle, because it's a struggle he's willing to take, because he knows the task that he's been set is to let anyone and everyone who will listen long enough to hear about life's loveliest person, Jesus Christ. Paul is a minister in the church, And it's a role that he really knows has been given to him, not by humankind. It's not a nine to five that he can check out or pick up on another day. But it's a commission, a godly commission by God, and he's not going to let God down. Put simply, Paul is a servant of God because he has seen how the the cross of Christ unites our daily, our everyday the realities that we face, the cosmos, every, absolutely everything together in the love of God. 
for Paul, no matter how hard it is. And I don't think the jails in the time around 60 AD were as nice as they are today. And today, they're not that great either. But then, they were, they were pretty rubbish. But he's willing to contend and to take the great personal cost because he knows there is only one hope and only one grace that can sort the world out. And that's Jesus Christ. And that matters more than his own personal circumstances. Friends, the Christian faith has not arrived on our shores by chance. But it's been contended for. It's been smuggled in. And it has been died for. And it will continue to be contended for. So when it is presented to you, see it as a gift. See the cost that it has the cost that has been paid as it comes to you. I think that by looking up, we realize that Jesus is worth everything. And I think that those who have gone before us realize that if they hold nothing back, then they can really meet that love that transforms their reality, that transforms their everyday. And I think that they realized that with Jesus on their team, who could really be against them? Yet, if you're like me, we spend our times looking sideways. Materialism and commercialism aren't necessarily evil things, but they can quite easily become so because they propagate a kind of one-upmanship. We go down that road, do we not? I certainly do, of thinking about the bigger phone the newest uh, fashion trends, the more exotic holiday. What can we post on our Insta feed that makes us look better? You only need to read the newspapers too and see on social media that society is absolutely obsessed with itself. We are blinded by ourselves. But church, what happens if tonight we start to look up if we start to look up, we can see what we're working towards. And we can stop looking inward and downwards all too often. I think when we look up, Paul reminds us that we look up to Jesus because he wants us to be a church and a people. He wants us to be neighbors and friends and lovers and carers who are people who are filled of, with gratitude and for people who have some guidance to offer this world with a godly perspective. In verses 29, the word of God is described as the mystery. And this mystery is the antidote to the fake news of those who have claimed to obtain salvation without going directly to Jesus. Paul writes because the king is alive and he desperately wants the church in Colossae and the people reading this letter to experience that same glory. He wants them to have a hope restored in their hearts. Sisters and brothers, we are to look up to Jesus because we are his disciples. We are not our own and we are not on our own. And I love that. 
You are not on your own. This is why the people of God, the church, are called to be a learning community. We're called to be a community that's learning to love, growing in depth of relation with each other and with God. Being a disciple, friends, is never just about turning up on time. That is helpful if you're leading worship, but it's not the criteria. It's about being a student. It's about a relationship that continues because we have experienced what God can do for us in our hearts. And so we want to look to him more each and every day. Church is important because it's a place where we can be in the company of others who also seek to look up and to know Jesus more often. My second point is this. We are to stay strong in the storm because Jesus is in the boat with us. In what areas of your life do you feel tonight that you are in a storm? You've got the wind against you, perhaps. Where does it feel like you're trying hard, but you're going nowhere? Notice how in our text that it was Paul's friend who raised the alarm, who came to him. And in doing so, he got the support and the love that he needed from Paul. Some of the greatest advice I have received in my life was from my head teacher at secondary school. And on the day that I failed all of my GCSEs, uh, apart from a B&R was early, um, I don't know why that happened, I think they had to give me something, this secondary school teacher told me this. He said, Craig, take all the help that you can get. I don't know how you arrive here tonight, but friend, friends, Every one of us, each of us in this room, needs help. There's no shame in admitting that, but only freedom. And if you don't believe me, look at our holy book. There's tons of them on the wall over there. They are filled with misfits, with people who worry, who feel not good enough, who don't quite believe enough in themselves. But Jesus... The perfect one, life's loveliest person, he calls them each day to join in with what he's up to because he knows that each of them and each of us have a part to play. Paul is being punished in our text today because he's gone on a preaching tour and he wants to stay on tour until all have heard that Jesus is the Lord the Messiah, and that he's coming back because he's king of all. So his suffering is real, and it's a direct consequence of his love and devotion to Jesus Christ. This is why he doesn't see his suffering as perhaps as bad as me and you would if we were in his position. He sees that he is standing side by side with Jesus. And Jesus is probably only one of the gods out there who claims and who did experience suffering. That's why the cross matters, because in the pain and in the shame and in the dirtiness of the cross, our Lord Jesus Christ experienced the pain and the suffering with us 
It's not unknown to God, but it's, it's experienced to God. It's experienced with God in the cross. No one wants to stay long, do they, in a storm? We can pretend that we're hard, that we're happy to be there. We can pray those prayers, God send me, I'm tough enough. But if we're honest, storms are scary. And they're scary because they're unpredictable. But with Jesus in the boat with you, I promise it will be bearable. But there's more. The gift of the Holy Spirit means that we can become like Jesus and learn, learn ways to calm the storms each of us are battling down. Paul declares in our text that God, through his son Jesus Christ, is creating a multi-ethnic family, and you are included too. And each member of this family gets to enjoy Jesus dwelling in and among them. As Paul writes in verse 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. My third point is that love wins because Jesus is king and he's coming home. So why does love win? Well, friends, it's because it's all about love, not law. And this is what Paul wants us to know. The Colossian Christians were facing two uh, main cultural challenges. On the one hand, they had mystical polytheism, and on the other hand, they had to observe the laws, or they were forced or encouraged or challenged to observe the laws of the Torah. Paul writes to them because he wants these new Christians not to simply add Jesus into their pre-existing Greek and Roman gods, but he wants to see that the old way is now defunct because Jesus Christ is Lord. Paul wants to know, uh, Paul wants to tell them, sorry, that Jesus is not just another deity to help govern a particular part of your religious life, but he is the div divine designer who can only be the one who gives you eternal life. There were great pressures also from the non-Jews to prove that their commitment to Jesus was true by following the laws found in the Torah. But given that, that these cultural challenges were there, Paul was keen to say, don't give in, because compromise would be compromise because you're not showing what Jesus really achieved on the cross. This is because we no longer have to live in fear of spiritual powers. Jesus' death, death, friends, triumphed over all spiritual powers. Jesus' death also fulfills the law. So we don't need to go back to a book of law. Jesus' death transformed our hearts that lacked the will and the power to know God fully. Do you know that as a follower of Jesus, you have the resurrected power 
of Jesus himself within you. It's the Prince of Peace, as I said to Nathan at the beginning, who is the only one who can give you the peace that you desire. Our text also today reminds us that we must also look up to Jesus. We must stay strong in the storms because he is there with us. And we must trust also that love ultimately wins because that's what the resurrection tells us. There is no longer a body. Jesus is risen. He is ascended back to where he was always meant to be in the glory and the presence of his Father, the place where you and I will go one day too. And he's coming back to wipe away every tear, to let love win. But do you know this for yourselves today? Do you, if you're honest with yourself, know that Jesus is the God who loves you? Whatever you are hurting through, whatever you're scared of, whatever is broken in your lives, wherever there are rough edges, do you know that Jesus, through the cross, wants to turn you and make you beautiful again? We all have doubts. Being a Christian is a lifelong journey. We will keep having doubts until we get to meet face-to-face with our Lord and Saviour. But today, please don't go without making some kind of response. So why not take a moment to think about what I've said and what it can mean for you today? Why not come up when Jack leads us next for a blessing? They're free, we don't charge, as far as I've been told. The cost is paid for on the cross. It truly is. Why not come and give your life to Jesus? Perhaps you've been waiting over the last few weeks to take that step. Come, we would love to start that journey with you tonight. You are worthy. Perhaps people have told you that you're not. That's not true. The Creator, Jesus Christ, tells us tells you that you are worthy. So this evening, take great hope in Paul's letter to the church that we should continue to look up to him, that we should continue to stay strong in the storms. Whatever you are battling, God knows it and he's in the boat with you. And we are to know that love wins because Jesus is returning home. Amen.